Adventure Presentation. Welcome back to another Untitled Movie Review. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin. Alphanumeric! We're back on video. Yeah, we've um we haven't posted uh something on YouTube in a little while because we were at the 2023 Toronto International Film Festival and when I mean at we live in Toronto so it wasn't like we left. Um but we did only audio only reviews uh during the festival. So if you've missed us and you're one of our YouTube uh, viewers, uh, please go check out all of our TIFF reviews over on our audio feeds on podcast services over on Untitled Movie Reviews. But uh, enough of that, Eric. We're back on video and we're back to review Gareth Edwards, The Creator. Uh, how are you doing? Matt, I'm tired. Uh, you know, you still, even though TIFF this year was a little bit underwhelming compared to past years, you always have that TIFF fatigue a couple of weeks or even month after uh, the festival's over, and so you kind of have that kind of drained quality. But in past years, it's always um, a, a good time to recalibrate or recharge because you've seen everything. But this year, it, it does feel a little bit different where, um, you know, I know you have just talked about it a little bit uh, online and posting that you're going back to school. So you have yeah. that as well when it comes to, you know, having to to, to flex that muscle memory and kind of keep uh, active and, 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 you know, continue to work. So, you know, there's that. But then there's also, you know, a lot of screenings that we're still going to because some of those movies didn't play at TIFF. So we'll have reviews for films like Saw 10 and yeah, Killers of the Flower Moon and all of these films that are going to be, you know, big awards contenders and, and other fall uh, titles. And, you know, we have something else coming up that we won't mention quite yet, but we'll probably talk about very soon. Um, so there's a lot going on and you just kind of feel drained by it all. How are you feeling? Yeah, you pretty much nailed it. I felt like I've had my foot on the gas at full throttle and since like, mid-August. Um, and that's both professionally, you know, um, both in my personal life with just weddings and different things like that, that I've been going to, as well as um, you know, we had TIFF, I have school, all this kind of stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely with you. Um, and you know, it, it just doesn't stop. We get another, you know, a huge movie coming out mere a week after TIFF with this movie, The Creator, and something that I... Are they going to say Saw 10? (laughs) Well, and Saw 10, both coming out. September 29th, a big day for me. Because I I think... I don't know if we put The Creator on our most anticipated films um, of the year, um, but... I don't think we did. uh, But we did put Saw X on there. (laughs) So Of course we did. uh, It's a big day. Ever since I saw this trailer and, and saw it in that 277 aspect ratio and Gareth Edwards kind of being free of the shackles of Star Wars or or an IP like Godzilla and going back to something like his roots with monsters and able to kind of this creative sci-fi shot with a relatively low budget for the scale of this movie at, at $80 million and using special effects that he kind of um, mastered when he worked on that first movie and, 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 and things like that. So like I was very, very intrigued by this. Like I, I, you know me, like I love, you know, uh, not post-apocalyptic 
this it's not even in that genre but in that realm there's of a dystopian like, quality dystopian to it. movies i love so i've been uh looking forward to this one since the minute i saw that first trailer so uh, i'm pumped uh, to talk about this one with you yeah, same. I, I I like Gareth Edwards quite a bit as a filmmaker. Um, I, I think his approach to things is very interesting. He's more of a reserved version of, you know, the studio filmmaker that we think of where, you know, when you make that small movie, that's kind of a calling card film. And then, you know, you level up a little bit more with a bigger film. He's still managed to kind of keep his voice within you know, Godzilla and Rogue One. And, you know, there have been reports, obviously, specifically with Rogue One, where, you know, there were there were reshoots and Tony Gilroy came in to kind of pump up some of the action and um, cohesively make it more of a World War II film. But there's an experimental quality and a reserve with Edwards where you feel like, okay, there's, you know, he, he undercuts some of the big kind of, sort of melodrama that you would expect from movies like this. And even like the, the operatic nature of this film, you think like, okay, well, this is going to have a big payoff for, you know, a certain character or an arc or storyline, but it almost plays it flat. And I think that that's what I appreciated most about some of the, the world building and some of the storytelling when it came to, what we expect a movie to do and how a film can play out. Um, it, it, we, this, I, I know this is a weird comparison, but it reminded me a little bit in terms of recent um, releases. And when I mean recent, like the last like five or six years is, is Lynn Ramsey's you were never really here with Joaquin Phoenix, where in that movie, the setup of, of it or the conceit of it is, is a revenge film, but <clears throat> Lynn Ramsey never gives you the satisfaction of simply showing you the violence you know it's it's usually you kind of dwell in the aftermath of it and you never get that catharsis and there's elements of that here where you're watching certain action set pieces or moments in the film that you think are going to have a payoff that you would expect from you know the genre because you've seen so many movies within you know the sci-fi thriller action blockbuster but Edwards decides to go a little bit in a, in a different direction or at least restrain himself in a way that I feel is um, refreshing, it, it, weirdly enough. And and here, I think that's the strongest stuff on top of the cinematography and the visuals. I, I Watching this movie, you get a little frustrated with you know, I, I know you know you're a big proponent of Marvel, Matt, and 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 I get it. Like it's it, they're they're not you know it just depends on the film, but the visual effects in a lot of these Marvel movies, whether they're yeah. rushed or not, oh, do not yeah. look great. <clears throat> where this film, and obviously you know Edwards has a VFX background, look amazing. You know the Incredible, way that he yeah. integrates and augments, you know the the simulant. Ec- technology and and the ai technology into you know droid-esque characters is absolutely incredible it 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 looks like it was made for 200 million dollars it's so beautifully done and the kind of grain and filmic look of it uh and the texture and 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 the chapter uh divides all that stuff is is the aesthetic is amazing the world is is really well thought out there's stuff in here that I, I think this is almost the career that Neil Blomkamp should have had at this point. You know, it, it's more refined. 
uh, and less obnoxious than a Chappie or, or Elysium. Um, but there are elements I think that are holding me back from loving this movie. And I know you really liked it. So I want you to continue to talk about like, you know, the performances and the world building and things that kind of really spoke to you. Yeah. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I think that, um, I'll just flat out say that I think it's one of the best blockbusters of the year and maybe one of the best movies of the year. I think we'll get more into kind of the story and kind of how the movie almost falls apart in the last act and has some maybe some script issues with some clunky dialogue and things like that but just i want to throw all that out the window because i think you kind of nailed it where i think this is visually mind-blowing at times i think it has a pitch perfect aesthetic that was extremely my shit uh from the moment the movie starts with its uh title card and its chapter-based storytelling uh from the look and 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 character design of the ai robots and the simulants and and even what the humans are wearing and kind of what the army is doing it's obviously taking from a lot of sci-fi classics over the 70s 80s 90s you know war movies things like that um and even at times with i mentioned the clunky dialogue or the kind of the last act not being great even feels like a movie that's ripped out of a different time um but i think in a world where you said we're constantly getting you know franchises or marvel movies or superhero movies or um you know we're not getting a lot of original films for something to come out even though it's taking from many things we've seen before having a wholly original sci-fi movie that i think is this feels this lived in and and this and has this much world building and has this much style and is done at 80 million dollars it just it, it's basically saying what the fuck do you what excuses do you have to everyone else like that's what this movie's kind of saying to me and yes it's not perfect i think like i still maybe don't love john david washington i think like i think you're in the same camp as me where he's never clicked with me and i think that's that and some of the dialogue in that last act is what's holding me back from absolutely loving this movie um but i think it's it's a score while you know we were talking with some friends after the movie that you know you don't immediately think hans zimmer or it's not super bombastic in, in your face but like i do think that the score works beautifully i think the performances are mostly all great, minus I don't really love John David Washington. Um, and I just think that, uh, you know, it's action packed. Um, it's action is unique in the sense of it uses a lot of, um, you know, imagery from, you know, like I mentioned, war films and things like that, but then how it utilizes. AI and, and robots and stuff to depict some of that, I think is, is really cool. And some of it, you know, the simulants and, and the, the robots look like humans, but then the, some of the designs of like a, uh, a barrel droid that's just used a kamikaze, like it, it was so cool and interesting to me of like how you would create these AI robots that, um, you would utilize in war. And then the the overall story i think is interesting i think the plot is where it struggles sometimes i think the story and the heart of it um if you 
if you look, it does mostly work. And I think, you know, that classic kind of like AIs becoming sentient and, and having feelings and treating them like a, another uh, race or, or, or being in, uh, like with equal rights and things like that, I think is an interesting concept that's been tackled time and time again. And I think the movie uh, plays with that in an interesting way. I think it's central um, like love story. Um, doesn't quite work by the end of it, but, um, overall I think it's a fucking awesome movie and I think it's great. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. Um, the more I think about the stuff I don't like, the more I don't like that stuff. So it's kind of, you know, I, I, I it's something's holding me back from really loving this movie, but a lot of it I fucking love. So I don't know where you want to jump from there, but like, I think that the John David Washington thing, not to focus on something too negative is your dogs agree with me. Um, I just, I don't know what it is. And, you know, at times he reminds me of his dad almost too much at times. Um, and at other times there's just a lack of like something and I can't even like put my finger on it. But when I see him in Tenet and when I see him in this and when I see him trying to like carry a film, um, you know, when he pops up in Amsterdam, I mean, and he's a lead in Amsterdam, really. He's not like, I mean, it's an ensemble, but like in Malcolm and Marie and like, I, I think he's great in black Klansmen, but like it, there's something that like I'm watching and going, man, if this is someone else, I think I'd like this movie even more. And I can't even like articulate why I don't think John David Washington's great, but there's something about his line readings and his like delivery on stuff that just hasn't really clicked with me. But we can start there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I'm not as as big of a fan of of the storytelling yeah. overall and the emotional arc because I think that that is key in counterbalancing the 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 spectacle of it and the visuals of the film, and it doesn't match the 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 world that Edwards has created it's co-scripted by uh Chris White's uh who directed uh the Twilight Saga New Moon and uh About a Boy and and movies like that and actually Chris White's is a, is a very nice guy he's actually kind of a little bit like a Gary Whitta where he's always popped on uh the uh uh why am i forgetting the the Flophouse podcast where okay. you know he he talked about um mm. uh, New Moon and and some other movies and he seems like a very affable guy but and it might not be all him. It, it might be Edwards as well, because they work together on, on Rogue One in, in the script department. So, But there's something about that relationship between John David Washington, who plays Joshua, this kind of brooding military or former military guy who's or, or special forces um, operative who's kind of being brought back into the fold. And it kind of becomes a little bit like Apocalypse Now. Yeah. Um, in sort of him finding uh, the the ex uh, the deuce ex machina of of the story, you know Alfie, um, who's played by uh, Madeline uh, Yuna uh, Voice, and I think that if you don't buy into that sort of relationship in terms of how it evolves over the course of, you know, being on the run from the military and you know going their own way and and trying to you know, bridge the gap between man and machine and, and live in a world in harmony. It's going to be harder for you to buy into some of that third act, especially, but even just the through line of, you know, a man that is 
still grieving the loss of his partner and still wants to find some sort of closure or catharsis within that. And I never bought into that. And yeah, yeah John David Washington is, is very stilted and, and kind of feels self-aware as a performer. And when you're watching him in something like black Klansman, all of that isn't there. It's, it's such a relaxed and affable yeah. and, and, and completely in the moment present performance. And I get why people like Gareth Edwards and Christopher Nolan and David O. Russell and, and, and all these other directors would want to work with him afterwards and the studio would want to make him, you know, an, a name, you know, actor, not just simply because he's the son of Denzel, but because that movie is, is, is showing you all this amazing potential. But it doesn't translate here. There's only one moment that I kind of felt that coming out a little bit where the movie star that maybe we needed in this film came mm-hmm. out. And that's when they're deciding on what Alfie's name is going to be. Uh, and they mention, you know, she's like, I like candy. And it's like, you're not going to be named candy. Cause there's a yeah. whole designation in, 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 in Vegas. Vegas. And, and, yeah. and that felt like a moment where it was Some personality, breaking. right? Yeah, exactly. And, and so when you're watching scenes like, you know, the, 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 the flip of the, the switch where he becomes the protector and the surrogate father to this character and, and trying to, to, to keep her from, you know, harm's reach. I never bought it. And I also yeah, thought I a lot about Denzel because of man on fire being a very on fire, similar yeah. situation with, with Washington mm. and, and Dakota Fanning. And, and I think that movie does it in a more, um, earnest it's earnest but it it it, it hooks you and and and, yeah. and it gets and, well, and, and you actually feel that's that 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 flip of the the switch where this hardened kind of mm-hmm. tough guy who's dealing with a lot of things and kind of internalizing it all is finally starting to have a breakthrough and yeah, yeah i mean so that I, trope that trope has been done so many times now with the like older man younger girl kind of thing having to be her protector and and it's been done so well recently with things like the last of us and logan and 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 stuff you brought up man on fire there's a little while ago but i'm sure we could name a bunch of other things too where when you're using that trope and you uh don't do it well because it's done so well recently i uh, i don't know i think it stands out a little bit more and i think um john david washington's a part of that because I think he's so stilted at times. I think that's where you lose some of the emotional core of the movie with his relationship with Alfie or his relationship with Maya, uh, Gemma Chan's character too. And um, so I think that's where the movie doesn't work. But then like we mentioned where it does work, I think it, you know, it soars with, it's like, I think it's visual look and everything we mentioned before. Like I love the use of the two seven, seven super wide cinematography. Like, I heard an interview with uh, Gareth Edwards where he talked about that they shot the movie basically. It was like two 185 frames side to side because of the lens that they used. So it ended up being like 3.5 to 1 that they shot in. Uh, but he wanted to release it that way. But the studio, Disney, wouldn't let him. So he, they were like, you can't release a movie because it'll be like too thin on the screen. Like most modern screens are 185 screens, right? Um, so it would be too thin. Um, and he convinced them to release it in 277 because Tarantino did with Hateful Eight recently. So I'm glad that they let him kind of play around with that. I love the look. I love the super wide look. Um, we saw it in IMAX. Um, I'd say that definitely helps because 
the thinner frame, so you have more screen real estate. So I'd say if you can see it in something like IMAX, it's free um, real do. estate. Um, yeah, and then uh, also I'm not usually someone who suggests this format, but I do think that this is an interesting case study. Is Gareth Edwards did say that they gave the extra footage that was that they cut for the two seven seven frame to Screen X. So Screen X does actually, I think, have the full frame that they shot, like the three point five to one frame. Um, and usually, when you see Screen X, they might have a little bit of extra footage based on how they shot it with what lens. Um, but they sometimes add these really awful looking like CG side things just to try to engross you even more and it always looks pretty bad so uh i'm pretty i am curious to maybe go see this in screen x if i have the energy i say this now and i probably won't but there's only a couple of them in our area but i just wanted to kind of flag that because i do really love the wide cinematography and eric you know i'm a sucker for chapter-based storytelling and the one criticism i have there is that it kind of ends halfway or two thirds through. And I feel like they could have added another chapter title and that's me being nitpicky, but I do feel like when it gets to, I don't want to say the chapter names just in case they're uh, spoilers, but like when it gets to that last chapter, that last chapter is a long chapter. And I feel like they could have, it feels like the chapter titles go away three quarters of the way through or, or two thirds of the way through. So um, I feel like just being consistent with that style, but I love like, the little logos and it's stuff he did in Godzilla as well with the, um, yeah. you know, with, uh, the English and, um, I, I don't want to get the, whether it was Japanese or, or well, it's, or, it's new. Or, so like the, new Asia, new it Asia is, like a new, yeah. it might've been a new, uh, script or something like that. So I don't want to say the wrong thing, but it, I just loved this visual style of the movies crazy. And we mentioned, I'll let you jump in in a sec, but, um, like the designs of the simulants and the, and I love the different types of the simulants versus like the pure robots versus they have like specialty robots and stuff like that too. So I, I thought all of that was awesome. Yeah. And, and I'm glad that they went with the title, the creator, because if there was a title card that said true love, uh, in, in the movie, that's that a was a bad name. name. That's a good call by Disney or whoever was like, we can't title the movie that. Yeah. And, and going back to the cinematography aspect, there is two cinematographers, you know, who worked on this. You have, uh, Greg Frazier, um, who had to leave, um, halfway through the production or there was overlap with his dune duty, you know, like jury duty, but dune duty. So he, he kind of, um, had to pass the reins over to Oren, uh, Soffer, who, um, is the co-credited cinematographer here. And the consistency is strong. Like it never feels like the voice is disjointed in terms of the visual, um, storytelling where like you're watching the movie, it feels like one singular, vision and you know it's it's obviously coming from edwards but it you know with with fraser and soffer it feels like the collaboration process between those two film uh, you know those two cinematographers those two filmmakers you know they they understood you know the ebbs and flows and 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 how to keep that consistency of just like the visual style um i think the strongest aspect of the storytelling is the opening um, sort of prologue that's kind of distilled into a newsreel. And, and I think Edwards is very good at creating that docudrama feel that we even saw, you know, in that faux documentary 
quality of of monsters where yeah. you see the news reel telling you about you know um this nuclear bomb going off in Los Angeles and that is being sort of like the the, the main sort of um focus of why there's conflict between AI and humankind because humankind believes that the AI did it and AI you know want to continue to live and you know humankind is threatened by you know the next step in evolution taking over and seeing the quote unquote writing on the wall about that kind of stuff and um i think that works the best because it's it's a little bit more kind of um you know uh unobtrusive in its storytelling and how it's kind of removed and you're watching you know just events play out in a way that feels somewhat real or somewhat uh, you know believable like when you have you know the one military guy talking about you know what they're doing after uh the bombing and things like that and um you know the creation of new asia and um sort of the the ai becoming this new terrorist organization in a way and yeah. and, and the rest of the world <clears throat> sort of uh banding together and creating and this is a little bit on the nose in terms of social commentary but having you know nomad which is kind of like the eye in the sky drone yeah. kind of thing that's always watching you know the activities of um you know potential threats and so that kind of plays an interesting part but then you know you have this love story that's told through flashbacks mostly that's very terrence malick like in a thin red line kind of way where you know joshua is always thinking about his relationship with maya and that also is very corny and a little bit um it, it kind of feels like it slows the story down or kind of cuts away from, you know, the, in the moment sort of uh, on the run kind of action of the storyline. And, and going back to that reel again, I think that reel is probably the most um, sentient in terms of um, it being a reference to things like Blade Runner, because there's yeah. even a, a line, you know, that's used in Blade Runner, the motto of more human than human. And in that, real you see sort of you know the the advertising mm. of p specific robots as being more human than human um and children of men is another one that's come up quite a bit in terms of that kind of that bond between you know somebody trying to do yeah. something for the greater good of humanity but also still has to kind of keep their wits about them when um it comes to sort of facing off against other people i i liked that allison janney was kind of cast as an anti-hero villain with sympathetic qualities that still also was very prejudiced against um, this, the simulants. But there's also something about her performance that feels very stiff. And it's oh, like, yeah. okay, I'm trying to be like, I'm, I'm trying to talk like this and I'm going to do this and we're going to do this. And it's, and it's cold and calculated and matter of fact, but then, you know, mm. her talking to, to, to Joshua and, and, you know, uh, Colonel Howell, her character and um, her talking about her backstory, it, it, you're kind of waiting for like the personal aspect to get in the way of the job. Yeah. Um, but there is something interesting with the technology that they use in one scene that's very frightening um, uh, that I thought was really well done and also very much reminded me of like something you might have seen in District 9. Oh, that um, was awesome, dude. Yes. I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And Which I think is very you know, disturbing. And it's set up in a in a interesting way for... I think that was done very cleverly, like too, where it's set up and the payoff, I think, is while it doesn't always work like we mentioned but that setup and that reveal of what they're doing i think 
is really disturbing <laughs> and really yeah. one of the coolest sci-fi concepts. I remember sitting there going like, oh, that's that's fucking cool. Like that concept has been around for a while of people hypothesizing that that would be something. And we're beating around the bush, everyone. But like you'll see when you see the movie and you'll probably know what we're talking about. But there's one sequence where it's something we've talked about in in you know real life that could be a potential future but seeing it in um in use in this movie and how it's being used i think is uh disturbing and very cool like a really really cool sci-fi concept um but i agree with you with allison janney she reminded me a little bit of uh what's his name from cameron's avatar fucking why am i oh steven lang steven lang but like not but he, she's Lang. not she's not as over the top yes yeah. she's not a well, papa dragon in this one yes exactly <laughs> she's not as kind of corny and, and like in that kind of classic you know uh, james cameron uh, yeah. kind of yeah. cliched military yeah. you but know she but, has elements of that it reminded yeah. me of too and obviously cameron's taking from a lot of sci-fi movies too uh, for avatar but um and well, even this is is borrowing a little bit from from, from james cameron oh, just totally. in terms of some of the designs they feel very you know grounded or or somewhat realistic and not just yeah. like you know um copying necessarily other movies in the last decade or so even though th- there are those influences that it wears on its sleeve and it understands that um but it it, it plays it pretty well when it comes to the production design, the world building, the VFX, um th- there's a lot of great stuff there. I just wasn't as big of a fan of the central narrative or yeah. the story. And I felt that that was just overwrought and emotionally, I was just disconnected from it. And I don't disagree with you. I just felt like the, the aesthetic and the visuals and the action and, and you know everything else surrounding it um, overpowered that to the point where I felt like the central story was serviceable enough that it made me enjoy all those elements like thoroughly to like uh, the 10th degree. So like, I, I totally understand where you're coming from, but um, I'd, I'd like to see it again and see maybe if I appreciate that central story a little bit more um, or I might have the opposite effect and I go, no, I'll double down on that. It's it, it doesn't quite work, but um, I like the movie enough that I'm, uh, I'm fighting with myself, but I, uh, I'm going, Mother, father, I'm, you wrestle inside me. I'm I'm going 4.5. I got to do wow. it. I just like the other stuff I, I was thinking today because I was looking at some other things I gave fours to and I was like, it could be in that camp. But then I think of the 10 point scale and I go, is it an eight to, eight to 10 movie? I'm like, I don't think I think it's better than an eight out of 10. So I go, OK, is it at 8.5? And I go, I think it's probably closer to an 8.5 than an eight. But I have no way of displaying that. And I'd go closer to a 4.5 than I would a 4 when it comes to trying to get to an 8.5. That's very convoluted in the way I explain that. But that's <laughs> but, but that's your process. Like, but like it, to me, a 9 out of 10 movie almost, even though with a big asterisk that says like I wanted Can you the do story that again? to- uh, I wanted the story to be um, for audio listeners. I was like writing out what an asterisk. Oh, it, it kind of looked like you were doing um, this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like at a rave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, fist bumping um, or fist pumping, not bumping. <laughs> um, anyways, I'm gonna go four point five. I I think it could be a four. 
on any day. It could be a 4.5, but it, it's not quite a five. Like it's, it's not, I think it will maybe withstand the test of time. And I think that's because of things like shooting on location, using creative methods of, of visual effects. And like, I think it will hold up. And I think this will be considered one of the better original sci-fi movies of the last little while. Um, I just think it kind of struggles on, on the story side of things. Yeah. I'm, I'm there with you on the visual effects and, and, the scale and scope of it, and and you just mentioned it, and we didn't talk much about it in terms of of the cinematography. There is that, like Andor, you know, it's yeah. being shot on location as much as it possibly can, and so that opens up the 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 style. There's a even great more. quote from Gareth Edwards, and I'll let you continue. Um, no, no, please do it now because I, I would was, like to hear it. It was I gotta find it again. Is like um, okay as you go. I'll, oh, I'll yeah, I got it. it. No, our whole plan was just to go to some of the greatest locations in the world because the cost of a flight is way less than the cost of building a set. And I was like, that's perfect. That's like, great. It's just like go shoot the film on location and use you know otherworldly backdrops and places interesting locations and then enhance it with visual effects do not create everything with visual effects or the volume or something like that like it just doesn't look real it doesn't and i'm starting to get frustrated and this is a guy who fucking loves the marvel movies and loves other things but you see things like andor and rogue one being one of the visually better star wars movies i think too for the same reason um and then this movie now shooting on four thousand dollar cameras um on location and costing a fraction of the price of some of these things. Like, thank God Disney made this movie with this guy because I hope they'll go to every other person and go, why the fuck can we get this? Like the story we can work on. That doesn't cost that much more money. Like, with writer <laughs> strikes over, we'll work on that. But like all this other shit, like, please, I, I hope no stories come out that the VFX people were overworked or something on this movie, because I think like you got to look at this and go, this was made for $80 million on real locations using very clever and, and interesting looking CG. Um, and it just fucking rules. Anyways, continue. Sorry. And, and I think, I, I think Edwards, again, having that background is important because you do have a lot of filmmakers that when they're working with VFX, you know, they're not just simply using it as a tool in their kit. They're using it as almost like a way to be dependent on you know, the post-production process if they don't get something when when they're shooting, where Edwards, I think because he has a bit of an advantage there and and knowing how to use things and and even when he's shooting, he's probably taking into account what, you know, what you can done. Yeah. you can implement into a scene in post-production or what you don't need. Because you know, sometimes we always talk about this with when it comes to score. And this is the same thing with visuals, is is you know, less can be sometimes be more. You don't need to cloud a scene with with all that digital noise or all that kind of graded effects that don't stand out or or do stand out in a bad way. And and I think some of the best visual effects are the ones you don't see or the ones you don't notice that are just kind mm -hmm. of seamless. And there's so much there to appreciate. And and again, I really like Gareth Edwards a lot. And I I think he's he's a talented filmmaker um of his movies that he's he's done within the studio system. Godzilla, I think, is still my favorite of of his stuff. Um because it just felt like a really unique take with in that world and even now where that fr where that franchise has gone it still is such a unique and individual 
film with this i it, that that script that story the, the the emotional beats it really tears it down so much that i felt this way a little bit after rogue one but the first time i saw rogue one i was very much like how you were feeling now where i felt like oh this is you know uh, a one and done Star Wars movie that's kind of um, deconstructing, you know, what it means to be a Star Wars film yeah. and, and, you know, being almost weirdly existential in its narrative storytelling. Um, but over the years, while I still really appreciate everything he was doing with that movie and what Tony Gilroy was doing with, with the film as well, it's kind of that, that enthusiasm has, has kind of waned a little bit. So interesting with, yeah, with this, I, I just kind of felt like, you know, four and a half, five for the, the visual effects, the cinematography, um, the, the, the design of the world, the world building. Um, but the story is just so run of the mill that it's like, I have to give just it three give, out of five. And, and it hurts me, yeah. me because it's, it's, mm. there's so much to like. There is so much to like. And you know what? I, I really do respect the film a lot and i think to see it in imax is mad, the best. you're just disappointed <laughs> i'm just disappointed but i'm disappointed in a way where there's like it's like oh this is really good but then you get like to a spot that's undercooked or something like that yeah and, like, and oh, undercooked's man. a perfect way of describing it hey the writer strikes over now i know we can't get another shot at uh at this one but and i hope they don't turn this don't turn it into a franchise or anything for the no this is a one and done movie for the love i want to just leave it just, be and also just let edwards make his movies because I, cause that's another thing I'm also worried about where, you know, you mentioned like you hear how the visual effects people are treated. I'm also nervous to hear like in like a year or two from now, or even less time that Gareth Edwards, you know, his film was taken away from him and someone else came in and did reshoots because I think on this, I think and I think what uh, the perfect full circle moment, Eric, because I kicked it off with that, where it's just like Godzilla and and Star Wars being, you know, very famous IPs. Um, I think studios being a little bit more protective of those two things. I, I guess Godzilla to a lesser extent, but um, you know, it it was a bummer when you heard that rumors of Godzilla being, you know, taken away from him. Rumors of which were proven that Rogue One was kind of taken away from him. And you could see that with who's running Andor. Um, and both guys it, like to shoot on location, though. Which, no, I think that's they worked well together. It's just ultimately, you know, the, you know, it, it's fine. It, it, it ended up working out. And I think letting him do something original, you know, I, I'm sure Disney and Fox were just like, you know, you're making this movie for $80 million, not 200. That's chump change. So yeah, like you can do whatever the fuck you want. We're not going to take it away from you. Yeah. Obviously it seemed like he still didn't have final cut or, or anything like that, or else he would have released it in 3.5 to one. Um, and then everyone would have gone to the theater and went like, what the fuck is so thin. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's the problem with things not being properly projected. Right. So like, I understand that as well, but I, I hope that this was, his full vision of the movie. And I hope moving forward, maybe he plays around in, in original sci-fi instead of he's, he's got, he's dipped his toe in star Wars. He's dipped into his toe in Godzilla. Like let him do some original stuff. Moving. Let forward. him create his own original movies, please. Because original movies, who would have thought? Yes. In this day and age, in the year 2023, an original film. 
an original big budget sci-fi movie. Um, thank God it wasn't titled True Love. All right, that's a 4.5 out of 5 for Matt and a 3 out of 5 for Eric. I think both of us still suggest that you go see it. Go see it in IMAX. Give Screen X a shot, maybe. It's the only time I'm ever going to say that aloud. So and support I, an original studio movie, yeah. you know? And that's what I hope. I, I hope this does well so we get more of these right even if you don't think it's perfect if you think it struggled from the story department like it really like you know not that you need to disney needs your money or anything like that but to show that we're interested in big original sci-fi movies like this i think is always a good and creatives like gareth edwards yeah yeah and chris white's um I mean, shout out to him. For Academy person. Award nominee. So, right. Yeah. For um, about a boy. About a boy. Yeah. I forgot about that. Um, oh, and, and a quick shout out also to Ralph Ineson, uh, oh, one who of the plays best the military guy. Man. The Green Knight himself is in this film. And anytime he pops up in a movie, yeah, that voice is just pure gold. Just absolutely magnificent. Uh, thank you all for listening or watching. We're back. Um, we really do appreciate it. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, please go check out all of our TIFF reviews. We have a bunch of them. They're over on the Untitled Movie Reviews podcast channel. So they are audio only as of right now. Um, maybe I'll compile them all together or throw them up at, on YouTube at one point just so they're up there. Um who knows? I'm, I'm very busy, <laughs> but um, <laughs> they are there on audio. So if you're watching this and you just throw they're they're pretty quick. They're 15, 20 minutes long. Um, Eric and I reviewing movies from the Toronto International Film Festival. So go check those out. Uh, One Stop Shop Everywhere is, um, I was going to say, uh, oh God, what a, a letterbox. I don't even know where my brain went there for a second. Um, at Untitled. Matt, are you shutting movies. off? I am. <laughs> Not off. Stand by. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not there are some clunky moments in the script i'm not even gonna deny and that's that. a very I james still, Cam- that's a very james cameron yeah, line too yeah I, I why still do you cry <laughs> um and follow me on all those social medias at matt Rohrbeck. uh you can find more of uh my reviews and interviews on rogers tv dot com slash cinema scene there's a current episode on right now where matt Rohrbeck and shaquille lambert talk about the saw franchise what is happening? <laughs> oh my god Why did that, that, was per- that was perfectly tied <laughs> what happened <laughs> the ai are happened. taking over oh man and it's a really uh that? that's that's incredible that's a perfect time <laughs> there it is again <laughs> yeah oh, um god so yeah, on, on that note, um, it's a really wonderful interview, and uh, I thank you, Matt, for for being on that show, because I know you were getting ready for school and things like that, and um, yeah, and we also have uh, a, an interview coming up with uh, Chelsea McMullen and Sean O'Neill, um, the director and uh, producer of Swan Song, uh, a movie that we reviewed during TIFF that we both really, really liked, and, and I hope that... Uh, uh, you know, if you have a chance to listen to it, uh, check it out. And if you are in the Toronto area, it's playing at the TIFF, former TIFF Bell Lightbox, now just TIFF Lightbox, I guess, um, in a film version. But there will also be a four-part docu-series on CBC coming, I believe, in November. Um, and then you can also find me on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time. Gareth Edwards, you ruined ice cream forever. Can I make it?
do it again. <laughs> you just yeah. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs>